this episode. Yeah, it was minus seven and I was dressed in a business suit. Uh, downtown to Midtown, that's a long way. It took me an hour. <laughs> I'm stuck, I'm busy. Uh, we got only eight to 10 minutes, so say what you want to say. And our, our chairman was also a tough guy. He said, listen, I've flown from India just to meet you. Kip, have you seen the movie Bridge on the River Kwai? You know, your, your credibility will be tested many times in life by clients and others. We got to figure out a way to come out of that. Uh, how, they, how they've developed it. And it certainly helps them rise to the top, doesn't it? Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And joining us on the podcast today, direct from just outside New York, sitting amongst about two feet of snow, is one of our partners based in the US. A big welcome to Param Venkat. Hey, Param. Hey, welcome, Param. It's good hey, to see Sean. you. Well, very excited to be here, Sean and Mark. Uh, very honored, humbled, and excited to spend the next 45 minutes an hour with you guys. So uh, I remember the first time we ever met Param was uh, just uh, in uh, Midtown, New York, when I was when I was visiting. Do you remember that? Yeah, I totally remember. I it was a uh, you know it was a day like today. We had two foot of snow in New Jersey, and I think it was second of February, 2018. After I initially contacted Sean and you and I had a call and he said, I'm coming to New York, Param, let's meet. Uh, and it was, I still remember I was waiting in the lobby of your hotel and uh, you came in a few minutes late and you were like uh, very uh, tired. And I said, what happened? So Sean, that day was the coldest day in New York. And <laughs> our friend Mark didn't realize that it's going to be so cold. I remember he decided to walk from downtown to midtown and he was not well prepared. And then he told me how on the way he was buying stuff. He bought a coat, he bought a hat, he bought more pairs of gloves. So he was sort of shopping on the way. And that was my first meeting with uh, Mark Shank. Uh, and it was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, we were supposed to spend an hour. Uh, I decided to... Take, take you, Mark, to the Indian restaurant in Midtown, Utsav. It was supposed to be a one-hour meeting, but ended up being a couple of hours, a lot of wine, and we shook hands. So here yeah, we are. Yeah, got started. Got started. That's good. So. Yeah, it was minus seven, and I was dressed in a business suit, and yeah. uh, I tried to walk. And for those of you that don't know, uh, downtown to Midtown, that's a long way. It took me <laughs> an hour. It took oh, at least yeah. an hour. And, yeah. uh, and I just went, because I'd met somebody and I, oh, I've got to get back. And it was Friday afternoon. Just the streets were completely gridlocked. There was no chance of getting a, a, a cab. And so I started walking. I love walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not in but, my but, but not that day. <laughs> not that day. Not yeah. that day. I was, yeah. I'm pretty sure I was close to being frost frostbitten uh, or hypothermic yeah. by the time I got to the hotel. Uh, one one interesting meeting, but uh, all worked. All worked out well. Hey, so Pram, so I mean, what were, how did you just sort of getting connected? You know, to the whole uh, this this field of of story work. I mean, how did you stumble over it? <laughs> I stumbled over it. Uh, you know, after spending a lot of time in the corporate, I I obviously was doing some sales coaching and training and 
uh, whatnot. And, uh, and I, I had incorporated uh, storytelling in my own way. And, uh, but, but, you know, it, it was 2017 when uh, one or two of my large clients said that, uh, uh, hey, we want to do storytelling workshop. Uh, so I said, yeah, I can do that. No problems at all. And uh, I said, no, no, no. We, 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 we respect you. We are, we are looking for three things. We are looking for one, a content that has uh, backed by research. And uh, two, we are looking for a work program that can be delivered globally, but to be delivered by facilitators locally. And the third, we don't want theater-based storytelling. We want business storytelling. And that's one thing you check mark. You come from the business background and we want all of our facilitators, facilitators to be from the business background. That's when actually I started to explore and I came across anecdote and now it's history. But uh, I really stumbled upon what storytelling is uh, back, in, back in 2003. Right, and, right. Yeah. So I, what, happened, what happened in 2003? <laughs> So 2002 is when I moved from California to New York and I was, I was selling in Manhattan IT services. I used to work for this uh, technology company called LNT, Lawson Tubro. And I was very excited because I had just gotten a meeting with the CEO of AXA for the chairman of my company. And uh, the meeting was in Midtown Manhattan. It was at 11 o'clock. And uh, uh, I mean, this is, this is the first time I realized that uh, how powerful stories can be and how important stories are. And um, we, we walk in and uh, 11 o'clock meeting to 11.15, the CEO of AXA doesn't join us. And at about 11.20, 11.22, he comes into the meeting and he says, gentlemen, uh, I'm stuck. I'm busy. Uh, we got only eight to 10 minutes. So say what you got to say. And our, our chairman was also a tough guy. He said, listen, I've flown from India just to meet you. And if you only got 10 minutes, then I have a problem. By the way, do you even know who I am and what our company is? And the CEO of AXA said, yeah, you guys are into IT business and you wanted to see if there is some way we could collaborate and partner and get some business. So our chairman replied saying that, uh, no, not just that. We, I'm chairman of a big conglomerate in India, which, which is into steel. We build bridges, we are big into construction. And uh, so he said, yeah, that's okay. Uh, uh, then the chairman responded saying, Kip, have you seen the movie Bridge on the River Kwai? And he said, yeah, anybody from, you know, of my age would have seen that movie. So what about it? He said, do you remember the scene the last scene where the train comes and the bridge, there's a blast and the bridge collapses. He said, oh yeah, who can forget that, that, that scene? That's the most important scene in Hollywood movie at that time. He said, do you know who built that bridge? He said, no, I don't know. He said, we built that bridge for the movie. And the main point is that uh, it took three shots before that bridge could collapse because we are so, for us quality is so important that we had to, you know, loosen up the screws and the nuts a few times before that scene could be actually taken and the bridge collapses. And to me, that was very interesting because I think the client, the CEO of Backside actually was testing the credibility of who we were. 
And I think what really worked is to respond with a story. And uh, to, for me as a young salesman was very uh, interesting and a lot of learning. And that 10 minute meeting, by the way, what was left of it extended to almost 90 minutes. And uh, <laughs> we did get some business, but very exciting. Uh, and that's how I really realized first time how powerful stories are. That's great. I love it. Good little. We should we should pull that story apart a little bit, Mark. What do you reckon? Shall we shall we have a bit of a conversation between the three of us on? For sure, that sounds good. So, so what are the, so what are the things that that we like about it? Well, Bridge on the River Kwai, everyone. Well, most people would know about that. Maybe this is giving away our ages, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a very well known movie, right? So that's that's yeah. a good thing. I love the I love the surprise about it as well, right? You know, you're in this conversation with the CEO, and you know it's going in a particular way. It doesn't seem like it's going in a very good direction. It's sort of yeah. maybe spiraling out of control a little bit. And then the chairman yes. goes, "Have you heard about the movie Bridge on the River Kwai?" Like that's a that's a a segue you probably weren't expecting, and if nothing else, it gets your attention, right? So I, thought, I like that. Such a uh, a brief story. I don't know, probably less than two minutes to, to tell that story. And uh, the, I, I guess there's a lot of capacity that you could add a few more details. Like when we were talking earlier, you, you, you mentioned that this, this, the, the, your CEO, sorry, your chairman was a tough guy. And, uh, you know, he was uh, pretty demanding and you might've, I'm kind of interested in how you might've felt. How did you personally feel going into that meeting? Well, uh, the initially I was very excited because to pull off a meeting with the CEO of a big financial services client was a big deal. So I was, I was very excited about it. But at the time when I saw my chairman getting all agitated and, and when, when, when he said that, listen, if you don't have, if you only have 10 minutes, then sort of close it for a sales guy. It's like, oh my God, my <laughs> world is coming to an end. Because it yeah. took six months for me to get that meeting and that could have gone away in four to five minutes. So that's like a prospect, big prospect gone away because of two big guys just not getting that connection there. And to see that turnaround within, just because of that one question uh, that have you seen the movie and getting the attention and changing the course of the meeting I think was was just uh, amazing for me. I think that was a great learning. So that's that's that sort of told me that you can you can uh, you know your your credibility will be tested many times in life by clients and others. But you got to figure out a way to come out of that. You know, it it really is. Uh, I think in the world of storytelling, you need to have this repertoire of movies and scenes from movies because. But you've got to select your movies carefully, right? So uh, they have to be movies that people have heard of, you know, the blockbusters, the ones yeah. that, you know, won the big awards uh, or the cult sort of following movies that a lot of people would have heard about. Um, and certainly Bridge Over the River Kwai is, is one of those movies, right? Well, it would have been for a certain age group. All these things run out of, run out of steam, so to speak. Ha-ha. That's my joke for the day. Um, and <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> you got it. If I argue, yeah, that's good. Um, but the like the other day, I, I went and rewatched um, 
Jurassic Park, right? Because to me, that's also one of these blockbusters. A lot of people would have heard about it. Um, and, you know, and I was just wondering if there was any kind of lessons that could be drawn from it. I mean, I could, I could draw a broad story lesson out of it, right, which was very much around how there was this one, essentially you had this archaeologist slash anthropologist uh, who hated kids, and it might have affected his relationship, you know, his, his girlfriend obviously loved, wanted to have kids. And then by the end of the movie, he loves kids, right? And he goes through that arc. And that's, that's like the thinnest, very human sort of uh, emotion, right? And then they put a horror movie, monster movie around it. You know, it's almost like they just plug it around the sides. <laughs> anyway, I thought yeah. that was interesting. But I, I couldn't find any real big business uh, points out of it. I don't know. Is there any favorite movies that you guys go for? I think I think every well, uh, every movie is uh, has got something. But for me, it was like to pull it off at the right time and use it in a business environment. I think that's that's where this 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 whole thing that we are trying to do uh, gets exciting, right? Mm. Um, and it's almost like bridging the gap between the biggest and the smallest, as we say. You know, be able to leverage that and 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 uh, you know make it Im- impactful and make a point in, in yeah. the business world. I, I think yeah. I think uh, that's the exciting part. So uh, I remember Param when we were uh, we were in in New York running a program together, and um, so I'm not sure that you actually told that story in the program, but I remember at the end of the pro- program when we we asked. The participants. It was a two-day program. And we asked participants for for a key takeaway and a general comment. And a guy who was the head of all sales for North America, right? He had yeah. thousands of people, of millions of dollars of budget, and uh, he said something that was re- really surprised me because Americans don't normally say stuff like this. He said, "Yeah, my general comment. I'm pissed off." Yeah. <laughs> He goes, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've got an executive MBA from Harvard and I've got da-da-da and I've done da-da. And no one's ever told me about this story stuff and how powerful it is. And, uh, I remember that. He's been missing out. Yeah. 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 And, oh, and, and that's the, uh, in a way, a beauty of it that a lot of the sales leaders and, and other leaders we meet uh, don't realize still that uh, how powerful the story uh, storytelling is, and uh, uh, how how much influence it can make in the day-to-day client relationships and winning the winning the clients, um, you know, and and how you can leverage this for collaboration, for building trust with your with your team, and to for in your large deal pursuits uh, is just amazing. And 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 you're right, Mark. And I think uh, people like him who has missed for 30, 35 years. Uh, is sad, but I think uh, people have started to adopt now, so they are lucky. I think that people are yeah. realizing that it's it's time we don't miss out on it and start using these stories. Uh, but there are still skepticals uh, they're out there. Uh, there are a lot of skepticals out there. Uh, See, it would be interesting to sort of have a, a chat with that chairman. I'm sure it's a bit hard to do now, but... Uh, but, you know, a person like that probably doesn't do it from the perspective of I'm going to learn business storytelling and, 
and you know, and these are the techniques and stuff like you know. He, he would have he would have just been a natural person, a natural collector of things that are interesting. And some people are great at analogies. I used to work with this guy who who could drop an analogy about anything. You know, it was always. Oh, that's just like you know a shoe walking over hot cement or something. You know, like it was like these anything you do, he could draw an analogy. Um, and I wonder how people build that, you know, sort of ability, right? You know, how that how they've developed yeah. it, and it certainly helps them rise to the top, doesn't it? Because yeah, I, and yeah. most of the time they're not even conscious that they're doing it. They. No. You know, like, like you look at the best salespeople, you know, 15% of the sales force makes 85% of your sales. And when you look at the 15%, they, they just they just tell story after story. And most of them don't even know they're doing it. They've just noticed that this particular way of being kind of works and they do more of it. And um, yeah. so I'm not even, I think they just, like some people are just more aware of it and they kind of notice things that work and just do more of it and well, I have a theory that you, if you're immersed in it, right, like if you have people around you who are storytellers, you start to do that naturally as the way in which you communicate. It's just like, you you know, you if you walk into an elevator and everyone is facing the back of the elevator, they've shown this in research, people will actually walk into the elevator and face the back with everyone else. We're highly influenced by the people who are around us. So if you've got... If you've got parents who share stories, you know, uh, et cetera, then there is a good chance that you'll share stories, but probably in a certain context. I think that's the, that's the tricky yeah. bit. You've got to find business storytellers. Yeah. yeah. And he was, a, he was a natural storyteller. Yeah, for sure. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, but the, the, the thing is, afterwards, I've worked with several companies, worked with several C-level leaders, and I've not seen that with... Uh, many of them. Uh, my, I have a philosophy that uh, a lot of the C-level C folks who can't tell stories and they build a culture where everybody gets sort of into this whole system of facts and data and assertions because that's what the C-level person wants. They want, when they do the sales review, business review, they want data and they want facts. And then everybody under them, even if you're a skilled storyteller, it happened with me while I learned something from him and I started to uh, use stories. But I realized that as you start responding to a leader who does not want, then you start getting into a different mode and that becomes challenging. So this is a skill that you need to really keep building because you can easily, easily go a different way if you are a CEO or a senior leader it drives you to a different direction. Yeah, it's, I think that's true. At the same time, you know, you have you have uh, a false dichotomy there where people say, oh, we're very data, we're very, you know, numbers, uh, and you guys are story, like these are separate things, but it's the type of story you tell. Yeah. If you can tell stories which are full of data, then you still have all the benefits of storytelling and the benefits of data. Um, yeah. But it's not... It's not a common thing for people to do that. So um, if we go back to the Bridge on the River Kwai story, so what kind of use could we make of that in a business sense? How could, you know, what, what business points can we usefully make with that story? Well, one of the ones that, uh, um, you know, if you're talking about how do you 
change the direction of a conversation, right? You might sort of say, look, you know, sometimes you've got to do something unexpected to, to sort of, you know, sort of draw back control of a conversation or, or send a conversation in a new direction. And then you tell that story. I think that would be a, a good business point. Um, yeah, yeah, because we've all been in those conversations where you, you know, like it's just going in a, in a bad direction, and where you're drowning, <laughs> and you, you, right. you and 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 I, I imagine Param in that uh, in that meeting room, you know, cringing as his six I months of work goes <laughs> out of the door. Yeah, I was definitely cringing. Yeah, um, yeah. you're right, and 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 to you, Sean, you're right, and and I think the changing the direction of the conversation is so critical because uh, most of the meetings to, you know, and, and this is what we, we tell when we do these programs that sometimes you get 15 minutes or 30 minutes and you can't blow it up. You can't blow it up. Right. And uh, if, if you don't, if you lose control of the meeting or the conversation or the agenda that you came for, it's a useless meeting. And, uh, uh, and, and the other person can take control of the meeting very quickly and change the course. So, this is, these are, I think this was a good learning that uh, you can use it for that. And also, I, as I said, uh, when many times your credibility will be tested, you'll be questioned why you, who you are, why should I work with you? Uh, so what if you are so and so? Even when he said that, by the way, we're just not an IT company, we're part of a very big conglomerate, it didn't bother the CEO of AXA much but it really bothered him or he got the attention when he said, have you seen the movie Bridge on the River Kwai? Yeah, because it's think, different, you see? It's, it's different. different. It's not what people are expecting. I think humans are uh, attuned to notice things which are different, you know? Um, and so as soon as you take it that, that different tact, all of a sudden the, the attention just jumps up. Actually, I heard an, another example or very similar to that where, um, you know, a young sales guy was kind of tanking in his pitch to a CIO, but he brought along with him his own CEO because he was kind of show off to the CEO how good he was, right? <laughs> and he was using all the latest sales techniques, which are all questioning techniques. Um, and the CIO was getting more and more upset and he had crossed his arms and he was leaning back. And, and in the end, he just says, I know what you're doing. I know what you, you, you know, and he was really upset, you know, about this salesman, about what his technique. And then the CEO knew he had to jump in to save the day. And he said, uh, oh, look, look let's, let's just forget that. And I says, yeah, I mean, where did you start? He asked the CEO, where did you start out? And he sort of said, oh, I was, uh, you know, with, you know, uh, HP or, uh, you know, one of the older companies maybe, um, uh, I'm having a, a name blank, but um, he sort of says, and then he, and the CEO happened to be in that same company, you know, in, the, in that period in the in the 80s, and and so he goes, oh, I was it? Did, did you know? Did, anyway, next thing you know, they got this rapport, you know, happening, and and then it was this back and forwards of story upon story, and you could see the guy relax, his arms unfolded, he started to lean in instead of lean back, and. Uh, ended up changing the whole sales direction for that conversation. I think the, it was a positive result, but it was at that point and the guy who was, there was another guy sort of who was the teacher of all this, watching all this, he realized his whole questioning technique uh, was wrong. This is the guy who does solution selling, right? 
And Mike Bosworth. And he, Mike Bosworth, and he took he took a total ninety degree turn at that point away from a questioning technique, which he says doesn't quite get you there, to one of a story technique. So that was his that was his turning point. Yeah, I mean the natural response of people is the way he responded in initially that oh we are big we are part of the big conglomerate. Yeah. And that's what happens we see with all the folks that we try to uh, do the training for that hey what's different about you and the response is again all data right we are big we are 40 countries we do this we do that but not tell a story and this is this is an, a good example where how a story completely changed and got their attention yeah. Um, yeah, and and for me, another business point that you could make is very you, you've just triggered it based on what you've just said, is that the the power of a specific example to reveal things about your company, and yeah. so rather than yeah we we you know we do this and we do that and we've got twenty two thousand people and you go look have you seen that bridge da, da da let me tell you what happened three times they tried to blow that bridge up when uh, we build something we build it well and. Like from anyway, the the business point you could use the story for in that context is that the the power of a specific example to illustrate the qualities that you're trying to get across, and you tell it slightly differently to make that point. But I think it'll be you know like that story is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. I was I was asked myself and Mike Adams we were asked to um, come up with a. Uh, elevator pitch for a company over in uh, in Europe, and uh, the first thing we thought when we were asked to do that is we both groaned. Like we went, "Oh my God, who does elevator pitches?" You know, like it was it was not something that we thought was a great idea. Uh, but we thought, okay, well, I mean, if if someone needed to say something quickly about their company, we thought, okay, so what would you say? Well, we thought essentially you would say. A relevant statement followed by an example. You'd make some point, you know, uh, or make some one sentence description of your company that might be a little bit intriguing, so that they kind of they don't quite understand, but they'd like to know an example. And you give them the example, which is a story, of course, and that that might then lead them to ask more questions. Right? Now it's a pull rather than a push, you know. And you, know, you hear those people, uh, we had some trying to give us examples of elevator pitches and it was just someone, you know, talking about how wonderful the company was over two paragraphs. And we went, no one's going to listen to that. Like, they're just going to be trying to escape the elevator as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's a, certainly a lesson to be learned. Yeah. Actually, you know, you know what was going through my head when, when that question was asked is I remember um, Tim Ferriss. That's right. I'm trying to think of Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss was talking about how he sold his, his very first book um, and became a bestseller and all that sort of stuff, the four hour work week. Right. And he said the way he sold it is he went to conferences and he would um, uh, find a table. There'd be people talking around the table and he would walk up to the table and he wouldn't say a word. And eventually someone would say to him, Oh, so who are you? He goes, oh, I'm Tim Ferriss. Didn't say anything more. And then they'd say, oh, so why are you here, Tim? Oh, I've just published a book, four-hour work week. Doesn't say anything more. Conversation goes. And then eventually someone says, 
So what's your book about, Tim? Well, it's about... So it's like this drip feed of them pulling the information as opposed... Because you can imagine, he could have easily walked up there. Hey, guys, Tim Ferriss, I've just published this book. It's all about blah, blah, blah. And you think... Yeah, I've switched off already. Yeah, everyone would have just disappeared from that table, right? (laughs) I think it's an important lesson. You reminded me of, uh, I used to work for another large technology company. We used to have this town halls and leaders coming and talking about trust and collaboration. And, and also the, the, the division level meetings were all about, we used to go for deals, different service lines coming together. And, you know, some we used to won, but we used to lose and we used to just blame each other. And I still remember this one deal, 2010, large retailer and tailor in New York again, we were four groups within the company, service lines as we call it. And uh, we went and we, we pitched, uh, we got shortlisted, we were called in for the orals. We were excited, we went for the orals and we thought we did a good job. And uh, uh, within two weeks, uh, we were told that, uh, really sorry, but you're not making the cut. And uh, like every other debrief, we had this debrief call where uh, senior leaders were there and uh, they said, no, you guys are not working together and people are blaming each other. And I raised my hand and I said, why don't we go and ask the client why we lost the deal? I said, yeah, let's do that. So we go into the Ann Taylor office in, in, in Manhattan and we walk into this executive room and the CIO, the chief of staff and the vendor manager comes. And we were four of us and we popped this question. We thought we did a great job and we were very surprised that we lost the deal. I can never forget what the CIO said to me at that time, to all of us actually. He said that, yeah, your, your content was good. Your proposal was good. Your presentation was good. But the problem is that we did not see you come across as one. We are in the business of clothing and we like to see one smooth piece of cloth. We saw too many stitches. Every time each of you were standing and presenting, you were saying, I and my group will do this. My division will do this. You never said we, but your competition clearly came across as one smooth piece of cloth. And it still stuck with me. And, and I use that as story always. I call the Ann Taylor story to tell people that, let me explain to you what trust and collaboration means. And this is what happened in the Ann Taylor. And, and after that, we always tried to be one piece of cloth when we were presenting and coming together. And, and it was after that. Mm. Well, it's a nice metaphor, isn't it? Uh, again, you know, just by saying this in a different way, using a metaphor, you um, change the way people hear what you're saying, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mind you, you, you don't want to have a dead metaphor. I just uh, was talking to some consultants, a you know, big consulting company, and they loved using the word ecosystem, right? And they used it like every second sentence. They were talking about ecosystem, and I said to them, I said, what, you know, what do you imagine? What do you see in your mind's eye when you say the word ecosystem? And they went, oh, oh, nothing really jumps to mind. And I said, well, you've, now you've got, a, you've got a situation. You've used it so often and out, sort of almost out of context. No one imagines the, you know, a, a pond full of, you know, things jumping in and out and fish and frogs and, you know, lovely plants and stuff. No one sees that. They just hear this word ecosystem. Um, so I think part of it is, is you've got to change up like this guy does, you know, talking about 
well, that's the that's the cloth, and we could see the stitches, and we don't want to see. We want smooth cloth. I think it's lovely. You know, that's the sort of thing that grabs people's attention. So yeah, I I think it just becomes much more impactful, and uh, but it's it's still um, you know uh, we we I, I started to. Um, I don't know if you know about social styles. They are like disc and other things. A social style is like disc. Oh, yeah. It's like an yeah, assessment. And um, I just got certified in that. And one of the things I, I realized is that uh, people have different styles. And one of the style in that is they talk about people who are driving style. And usually they like numbers, facts, data. They love it. And they're usually C-level folks. So when you're pitching to them and they don't want stories, their first response is, uh, give me, give me the data, give me the facts, cut the chase, don't tell me stories. But if you still tell the story to them, they, they have something called the backup behavior. Backup behavior is they will, they will use their authority to take control of the meeting and say, this is it, this is how it's going to be done. Otherwise you're out of this meeting. So how do you deal with those kind of people? And one of the things I am doing some research on it is that sometimes you have to give what they want when you're starting off to build the connection and not really go against them. So if they want data, give them data, but you will get a chance to tell a story because when you give these kind of people data, they will have questions for you, sort of the anti-stories. And that's when you could, you could, you could sort of come back and use some stories. So knowing who you are talking to and how to use and what kind of stories and when I think is, is equally critical. Well, look, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, just just don't, you know, this, this guy's into facts and data, don't yeah. use stories. And I've completely ignored it and been successful. Um, and part of it is that it's simply facts wrapped in context and, uh, and delivered with emotion. Yeah. So uh, you give them the facts, but you just wrap it in a different container, uh, that container called story. And, of course, you never trigger them by saying, I'm going to tell you a story. Well, I saw one lady in a big company and she just did something really simple to uh, this to a CEO that was um, very hard-nosed, no space for story, et cetera. And she said, the last four months, our sales have been dropping by about 3% a month. Last Friday, I went, I went shopping in... I can't remember the name of the mall. And I go to that mall every Friday after work. It's normally completely packed. But on Friday, I walked through there and there was hardly anyone there and there were for sale signs. Uh, there were sale signs. There were shop fronts empty. Something's changing in our market and we're not even aware of it. We need to do some research to figure it out. And the CEO's going, oh, oh, we've got to do it. Right? So she started with a piece of data. And then she just told this little story about her shopping trip. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of any person. There'd be no person, really, who... I mean, it was the, the mistake, and here's the mistake, I reckon, the majority of the business storytelling people make, right? And that's, they equate business storytelling to personal, emotional stories, right? Um, and, you know, like, if you walked into the CEO and, and told, you know... You know, so, you know, a story of, um, you know, as a child, how you really had a, a tough upbringing, but this, this somehow gave you resilience or whatever. I mean, of course, they're going to roll their eyes and go, well, why am I listening to this, right? 
But as soon as you start off with, you know, we've had 3% of sales dropped. I mean, every CEO in the world wants to know about sales, right, and what's going on, whether it's up or down, and then to be able to segue into a specific indication that might give you the cause for that drop. I mean, that's like gold. That's gold dust thrown across his desk, right? So, I don't know. I, I just find it very interesting that people have this impression that you can't tell a story. You just got to tell the right story, you know, an interesting story, one that's relevant. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, we might be just too much of evangelists for this, uh, Prem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. you might be right maybe maybe you have to mix it up i'm sure you do have to mix it up that's for sure but i think uh, uh ability to, to to use the stories or or, or a right example or an analogy i think i think it's very powerful but it, it's as we say you need to you need to be practice it i mean i remember one sales leader i used to work for uh, used to always uh, beat up all the sales sales team and say, where's the revenue? Where are the numbers? Um, and, and this was going on for a while. And then they got a coach. They got a sales coach and we were all there. And the sales coach made a good, good, good comment. He said that, listen, what you're doing is you are beating up the taps saying there are no water, there's no water coming from the tap. Sales guys are taps. You're just beating them up saying, where is the water? Where is the water? The problem is is in the pipeline, the water pipeline and the tank. And you need to enable them. You need to ensure that for them to take water, to bring water out of the tab, they need to have a good base. And I think finally they got it. They got it the fact that we got to change our offering. We need to bring with some differentiation in the market. That's why these folks are struggling. Whereas all along, he was beating people up saying the problem is on the tap. The problem is was on the top. Yeah. yeah another yeah. good better for. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Your uh, salespeople are taps. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give them some water. Some water. <laughs> but then, yeah, it, it made sense. You know, people got it. People got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're the best metaphors. I mean, you don't want to have a, a metaphor where it's like, you know, your, your people are like a, a virus osmosis uh, chemical reaction. Oh, really? <laughs> what's, a, what's one of those look like? <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. That's well, a guys, I'm just thinking we should probably um, uh, wrap up this conversation, but... Um, one other thing before we do, though, it would be good to, to get a bit of a sense of the things that you've got planned for, for 2021. What's going on in the world of, of Pram for, for this year, given all the craziness that we're facing at the moment? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, looking forward. I think uh, I, I see that um, uh, things are picking up again. I think uh, the clients are starting to uh, definitely uh, you know, get back to investing in uh, programs. I think leadership, training, coaching, I think is actually becoming much more important yeah. because uh, one, obviously, uh, everybody's at home. So there's opportunity to upskill them. Also, two, because um, a lot of the companies that are making money, you know, they, they're not spending on travel. 
they're not spending on many other things that they used to spend on. And uh, as I'm talking to a lot of the clients, they've been thinking, so where do we spend, right? And, uh, and, and potentially, you know, building the next gen of leaders is not a bad idea at all. So, so I'm hearing a lot of positiveness, which uh, hopefully would mean that uh, we should be doing some more workshops on, obviously on storytelling and, 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 and other programs as well. So looks very positive. But we are still like in, in the US, we are still in the stage where things are still not yet there. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stress in the system even now. Yeah. Clients, clients are cautious. Uh, but overall, um, in my world, as you asked me, I am, uh, I'm bullish. I'm hoping that uh, we're going to continue to work and expand our work. And uh, hopefully could see Mike and Mark and you coming back here. That's, uh, I know Sean, you're almost here to New Jersey. You have some family out here. So I was very excited when you said that. And, yeah, uh, wow. It's a bit hard to travel at the moment. That's for sure. It's, uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Maybe when the world gets vaccinated, that's, uh, that's the, the next step, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So looking forward to you and uh, Mark, you know, coming over here or be meeting somewhere, you know, getting, getting some mm. more workshops done. Yeah. yeah but, but excited. Absolutely. No, that's good. Yeah, that'll be good. And I'll come and give you a hand to shovel the snow off that driveway if you've got a spare snow shovel. <laughs> I got a spare shovel for you for sure. <laughs> that would be lovely to see for me. I would I would love to see that happen. Yeah, well, I know how to use a shovel. That's good. Yeah, no, we we need we need some extra help here. Well, sure. guys, that seems like a good natural place to finish things up. Hey, everyone, thanks for listening to Anecdotally Speaking, and of course, yeah, tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.